Blog Talk Radio. From Lives in the Balance, the nonprofit organization committed to advocating on behalf of behaviorally challenging kids and their caregivers, this is Dr. Ross Green. Welcome to Collaborative Problem Solving at Home. I'm delighted that you were able to join in. This program airs live each Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time during the school year. We explore a variety of topics aimed at helping you better understand and help your challenging child and implement the collaborative problem-solving approach at home. If you have a question or comment, call 347-994-2981. If you call in, you'll be muted until I bring you on the air. And now, let's talk about your challenging child and what we can do to help you make things better. Hi there. Welcome to the program. Good to uh, have you with me today or whenever you're listening to the program. I guess whenever you're listening to the program is today for you. Um, glad to be doing this again. That introduction music always puts me in a good mood. Everything, every once in a while I think of changing it, but um, it kind of has become the theme music for um, collaborative problem solving at home and Collaborative Problem Solving at School, both brought to you by Lives in the Balance, um, the nonprofit organization I founded to um, help people understand challenging kids better than we often do and help them implement the collaborative problem solving approach. Um, So I'm delighted that you're uh, joining in today. And of course, you can always call in if you want to. We've got quite a few uh, emails to get through, and we've already got a caller. And as I always say, callers are our top priority. So after I get through um, this, uh, the introductory stuff that I always say, uh, we'll take our first caller for the day and we'll defer on the email until we uh, are done with our caller. Um, but the call-in number uh, is 347-994-2981. Uh, if you like calling in, that's the number, 347-994-2981. Got a comment, want to ask a question, need some support? In implementing collaborative problem solving at home or trying to understand your challenging kid a little bit better or trying to get the folks at school to uh, buy in, well, uh, that's the number, 347-994-2981. And if you're not the calling in type, two options. Uh, One is just to listen to what other folks are talking about uh, who are trying to use the collaborative problem solving approach or send me a question electronically through the contact form on the Lives in the Balance website, which is www.livesinthebalance.org. Wait a minute, you haven't been on the Lives in the Balance website yet? Well, that's your homework assignment after this program. www.livesinthebalance.org. There is more help with understanding challenging kids and understanding how to implement the collaborative problem-solving approach on that website. And of course, all of these uh, radio broadcasts are archived and um, on the website in the audio programming section, and they are um, in order. By the, they've got topic captions on them now. It's finally got around to doing that about a month or two ago, and so now it's a lot easier to find uh, the program, uh, the topic that you want to listen to, and uh, lots of people listen to them. So that's pretty cool. Um, let's go to our caller. Uh, from area code 209, and that's the only identifying information I'm going to, uh, hold on, 
uh, the, the technology is now working. Uh, from area code 209, don't give us any names or identifying information, but you are on the air. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Green. Um, I actually had emailed you last week, and um, I have a four-year-old son. I've read your book, The Explosive Child, and I've actually brought those books into his preschool, so we're, we started working on Plan B with the teachers. Cool. Did um, I respond to your email, or did I just yes, say that I was respond to it over the phone? Well, you, oh, you oh, said, okay. let's talk on the phone, and we were... Ah, good. We were, Here you we are. Were email- yeah, so thank you so much for taking my call. You bet. Um, let's hear about him. Well, he's almost five, and um, we've, start, we've tried to start working on Plan B, and sometimes I'm not sure if he's mature enough to to deal with Plan B or not. Um, the main issue that we're having right now at school and at home is running away, where he wants to run out of the classroom uh, or he wants to run away from mom. And I sat down and we identified the problem, and and I I, I said to him, you know, we were trying to work on that together, and I explained to him how that can be a safety issue, not only for mom, but at school they can't run after him. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, what else can we, you know, what do you think we can do, or why, why do you do that? And he said, because it's fun. I like to do that. And, you know, I was trying to come up with solutions with him of, you know, what else could we do? And it's hard to keep his attention span. So I've tried it more than once, and he can't come up with any solutions. So it ends up, what we end up doing is doing the distraction technique of trying to do something else. Um, And I've worked with him to say, look, if you're worried about getting into trouble, we just need time, like what his teachers need, to sit him down and talk with him. He's not going to get into trouble if if, he, if he's running away because he's afraid. So I'm I'm at a, at a crossroads. I'm not really sure how else to, as you say, coax other uh, solutions out of him. Yes. Well, um, first of all, this is a great. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted that you called in because this is not an uncommon. Uh, position for adults to find themselves in when they're trying to do plan B. Now, you started your question by asking if he's mature enough. And, of course, I've never met him. There's nothing about being five years old that would suggest that he's not mature enough. So let's let's assume he's mature enough. I don't know him, so I can't say for sure. Plus, I'm not exactly sure what mature enough means. I guess my attitude is if a kid um, has the communication skills to participate in Plan B. Uh, He's probably mature enough, not knowing what mature means once again. If he doesn't have the communication skills to participate in Plan B, then we'll have to figure out how to do Plan B even though he's lacking communication skills. So um, I'm I'm betting that I wouldn't view him as not being mature enough. Plus, he is responding to your question. But there's a technical part of doing Plan B that Plan B is getting hung up on that I'm sort of sniffing out here. Are you ready? Yes. The unsolved problem is not that he's running. That's what he's doing because of unsolved problems. But running itself only tells us where he is on what I call the spectrum of looking bad. He's a runner. Runners run. Uh, And people who've heard me speak know that I also say that criers cry, spitters spit, kickers kick. But you got yourself a runner. And um, if we start the empathy step of plan B with running, then I would say that that is a rather vague place to start. 
because what we're not starting Plan B with and what we should be starting Plan B with is um, what are the conditions in which he is running. So that would require some homework on the part of the adults, and it sounds like it's happening at both at, at home and at school. And I know that he said that it's fun. Um, while I do tend to take such things at face value, and maybe there is something fun about running, he's not running all the time. He's running some of the time. He's running in some conditions, under some circumstances, in some situations. So now let me put you on the spot. because uh, And sometimes adults don't necessarily pay attention to when they are more oriented toward what, which is what's he doing when he's not looking as good as we'd like him to, and in your case, he's running. But let me put you on the spot, and you may, you may not have this information, but you might have this information. When does he run? No, that's a really good question. So the times he runs is when I drop him off at preschool and I start to leave and he wants to come back home with me. Ah, so now there is a specific unsolved problem. Right. So that's Do you see what right. I mean, though? By the, that, yes. There's a big difference between talking to him about running. And here's right. the interesting thing. My bet is that he's running under numerous conditions, you know, just like criers might cry when they don't get the food they want for breakfast or when somebody's not letting them toy with, play with the toy they want to play with or when the bath water isn't the right temperature. That's when criers cry. So if we ask a crier, I've noticed that you're crying, what's up? Well, the answer is actually rather complicated because, um, well, there's many answers to why he's crying. I have a feeling, not knowing your runner at all, that your runner is running under a variety of different circumstances, and you've just given us one. When right. you drop him off at school, he wants to come with you. Now, right. that's an unsolved problem. And here's what Plan B would start. So we're going to make a list here. Okay, Running running is not on the list. Running is just what he's doing in response to the unsolved problems that are going to be on our list. What else is on the list? Uh, he'll run when... The teacher is calling him because he knows he did something wrong where he either hit another child or threw rocks, and they call his name, and he runs away. So he is also a hitter and rock thrower in addition mm -hmm. to being a runner. Mm -hmm. But we, we don't want to make the same mistake with hitting and rock throwing that we did with running and try to talk to him about why he's hitting and throwing rocks. We want to pay attention to the specific conditions under which he is uh, running uh, and throwing rocks. And uh, I don't remember the last thing you said he was doing, um, because that's what we want to be talking with him about. And um, any ideas about when he's hitting or throwing rocks? Usually he'll tell me another uh, boy is teasing him or well, the, other issue, the other issue is when he, people aren't playing with him where he wants to play with them and they don't want to include him in whatever Boy, they're playing. Our list of unsolved problems is growing. We've got um, difficulty being dropped off at school. We've got being teased, and I'd want to add some more detail to being teased. I'd want to add a who and a when and maybe a where on there. Uh, when others are not won't play with him, I'd want to add a who and a where to that as well to make these unsolved problems as specific as possible. The more specific the unsolved problem is, the better your son will be, not just your son, but kids who are younger and kids who are older will be able to give you the information you're looking for about the unsolved problem. 
But if we treat what the kid is doing that we don't like as the unsolved problem, we make it much harder for him to give us the information we're looking for. So by my count, our list of unsolved problems is now three deep. Mm -hmm. We've got being dropped off at school. We've got not being played with, and we've got being teased. Notice what we do not have. We do not have running, hitting, or throwing rocks. That's just what he's doing. We want information about the circumstances that cause him to do those things. Those are the problems that really need to be solved. Right. And and the other, the last one for for me is if we're out at a store where he wants to run around the store. Got it. Um, so you've got your list of unsolved problems is now four deep. Yeah. But but I'm hoping what's making sense here is that we don't want to work on what he's doing. We want to work on right. the unsolved problems that are giving rise to what he's doing so that we can um, get those problems solved and then he won't be doing those things anymore. Okay. That's that's why this is collaborative problem solving. Right. We really have to make sure that we're homing in on the problems that we're working on, not the behaviors that the kid is exhibiting in response to those unsolved problems. So okay. you now have a list. You, you, your pile, the pile of unsolved problems is now four deep. My bet is that um, because you're, you're, you are latching onto this rather quickly, you, you, you've been able to rattle off four unsolved problems right off the bat, which is outstanding. My bet is that if your son is like most kids, he's going to have eight, ten, twelve highly specific unsolved problems in the pile of unsolved problems. The goal of intervention is to move those unsolved problems from the unsolved pile, where they're setting in motion, hitting, rock-throwing, and running, to the to the solved pile, where they are not setting in motion, hitting, rock-throwing, and running. What do you think of that? Yeah, I do. And, and, and then the other thing is I, I don't know, do you try to work on one problem a week? I, I don't want to overwhelm him with problem-solving. I don't know what's appropriate for his I, age I think as far that- as... Well, I think that it's different for each kid. I usually cap it at three at a time. Okay. Um, and the thing you don't want to do is bounce from one unsolved problem to another with the one that you were working on still unsolved. It's just that, you know, uh, so it, it pays to not only make your list of unsolved problems, but then it also pays perhaps in concert with the people at school or if there's a co-parent at home, that person, um, to think about what do we want to work on first, uh, which unsolved problems is uh, – who's going to take primary responsibility for working on each unsolved problem with the kid? Um, and how are we going to make sure that we're communicating well so that we're aware of – so the left hand knows what the right hand is doing? And right. how, how above all else, are we going to make sure that we are being proactive about this Plan B business because – I mean, let's say, and this, you haven't really mentioned anything about this, but let's face it: if if we're trying to do Plan B when he's already rock throwing or running, or um, hitting, uh, our timing is way off. We want to talk with him about the unsolved problems, setting in motion those behaviors way before we see them again. Right. Right. So, you ready? Ready for your homework assignment? I sure am. You didn't know that we give homework on this program. <laughs> Here's your homework. Um, actually, it's a multifaceted homework assignment. Uh, assignment number one, make your list of unsolved problems. And uh, you may need some help from the folks at school on that, too. Then organize the effort. Decide which unsolved problems people are going to be working on, maximum three. And then 
if you feel like it, well, then do proactive plan B on some of those unsolved problems. And then if you feel like it, call back next week and let us know how it went. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you calling. Good luck. Thank you. You bet. Bye-bye. So there are some of the things that often come up as people are trying to do plan B. First of all, good for her for trying to do plan B. I mean, that's that's you know, if we were giving points and of course we don't give points on this program, um we'd be giving her 10 points for just plain old trying it. But one of the ways in which uh, plan B sometimes goes awry is that um the unsolved problem that we're trying to work on with the child isn't specific enough and in fact we're more focused on the behavior the kid is exhibiting in response to that unsolved problem and the unsolved problem itself. And then things tend to fall apart right at the beginning of the empathy step when we lead not with the unsolved problem and not with one that's specific enough, but with the behavior the kid is exhibiting. And then it looks like he doesn't have much to say or isn't able to respond. Um, And it's not uncommon for adults to attribute that to characteristics of the kid. Um... And if a kid is young enough, sort of in the three to five range, uh, often age is invoked as the reason why. And, uh, you know, I I might have said this on this program before, and uh, this is not me talking about the person who just called, because I'm not, this is not me being critical of anybody in particular, Um, but adults um, often ascribe difficulties in plan B to the kid. And my experience is that 80% of the time, that a, and this is, of course, just a rough figure, 80% of the time that a kid doesn't talk to us in Plan B, it had more to do with us than it does with him. Maybe we weren't specific enough about the unsolved problem. Maybe we weren't neutral um, enough. Um, maybe we were doing emergency Plan B rather than proactive Plan B. Maybe we weren't doing Plan B at all. Maybe we were doing Plan A which is a conversation stopper. That's actually not what I was hearing in the case of our caller. I was hearing that the unsolved problems that were being worked on weren't specific enough and were actually making it even harder for the child to respond. Now, of course, if our caller calls back next week after having tried to do Plan B on a more specific unsolved problem, we'll hear if, well, well, the truth is, we may hear something else, but Plan B is not going to go very far uh, anyways if we're focused on the behavior instead of the unsolved problems giving rise to that behavior. So maybe we've knocked one bird off the fence as it relates to why this child is having difficulty participating in Plan B, but of course there could be others. We'll find out. Uh, No other callers at the moment, so let's turn our attention to email. Dr. Green, thanks for your work. You're welcome. We have just started seeing a pediatrician who, during our first visit, prescribed your book, The Explosive Child. Well, now, (laughs) I like those kinds of prescriptions, and not because it's about book sales, because it's not about book sales, but because, um, wow, pretty cool to have The Explosive Child prescribed uh, instead of medicine that a kid may not need. Uh, I'm about two-thirds of the way through the book and have spent a couple of hours on your site tonight. Good, that's why it's in the balance site. Uh, reviewing audio, video, and paperwork material. I like your approach, and I'm struggling to get going on Plan B. We have, well, that's that's how it usually starts. It usually starts by uh, going on the website, learning a lot about it. Sometimes it starts with reading a book. Uh, the website's free. Um, and then 
digesting the ideas, and then comes the bravery part, trying it. So let me keep going with the email. We have two sons, ages five and three. We are working with our older son as the explosive one, although his younger brother almost seems to have learned that aggressive and angry outbursts are a good way to get noticed in our family. Maybe. We are not even scratching the surface on sibling problems yet, as our three-year-old seems to react more, react. I think that means well, to normal discipline. We had just started working on Plan B with our oldest child. He's five, and we were perhaps a week in when he started saying things like, well, when I don't get what I want, I'll just hit or kick or scratch, or in response to questions about why he was hurting my spouse and if he knew what he was doing, he was saying I knew what I was doing, I was biting, hitting, scratching, kicking. Took the air out of our tires and made us start to think that he really was intending to create mayhem. We went back to plan A. He started exploding more frequently and violently. Again, is there something to this that we're not understanding? It's really hard to hear him planning or recounting his actions in such a matter-of-fact manner. Is there something about CPS that we're likely missing? Great questions, and thank you for emailing. Um, well, I don't, I don't know if there's anything missing from collaborative problem solving. I will say this. Um, what a kid says about his behavior after the fact, um, once again, we're still focused on behavior. Uh, I'm not that focused on behavior. And while I'm happy to listen to a kid's explanation for why he's doing what he's doing, I don't think it's the most productive discussion to have with him, and I don't know that I would especially take it to heart that we've got ourselves here a um, a uh, kid who is premeditating violent acts. I'm going to stick with my guns here and assume that the violent acts occur in response to highly specific and highly predictable unsolved problems. So just like our caller today, um, we've got some work to do, and it sounds like this mom did download the uh, assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and maybe even the Plan B flowchart and uh, now comes the uh, work. Uh, yes, okay, so you have uh, what we might call a hitter, kicker, scratcher, uh, maybe a biter as well. It seems to be covering the gamut here. Uh, or screamer, it sounds like. Um, that's what we've got. That's what this child's response to unsolved problems might be, and it actually might be this child's response to plan A as well. But... Um, He's telling us when it's happening. He's telling us that it's happening when he doesn't get what he wants. Well, even that isn't specific enough. And if we just run with that, we are at risk for thinking he's a big brat who's only doing what he's doing uh, to get his way. And we are not going to think that. We are going to home in on these specific situations in which challenging episodes are occurring, uh, what the unsolved problems are. And there we can just take a... Uh, take a page from the uh, book of what we just were talking about with our caller. Let's get our list of unsolved problems and let's start talking with him about those. And then let's see if he's still saying that he's doing what he's doing because he thinks it'll get in his way. By the way, you know, you can read a lot into what a kid says 
well when I don't get what I want. Hmm. When I don't get what I want, I, I'm, I'm starting to smell a potential, what I call plan A rat. I'm not referring to our emailer here. It's sort of a metaphor for, I think I smell plan A going on here. If, if this boy isn't getting what he wants, then there must be an unsolved problem. And he's saying, I've got my solution, but they've got theirs. And, well, that's that's when challenging episodes are probably occurring in this little guy. Let's figure out what his unsolved problems are. Let's prioritize them. Let's figure out which ones we want to work on first. Then let's do plan B on unsolved problems rather than on behaviors. And, uh, oh, just let me nitpick a little bit more. I don't know if the aggressive and angry outbursts are a good way to get noticed. Um, Maybe both boys are having trouble solving problems and they're just doing similar things in response to those unsolved problems. You, you, by the way, to our emailer, you are welcome to call in um, if this, well, once you've done what our caller does. Uh, list of unsolved problems. What are you working on? High priorities. Do some plan beyond unsolved problems and either email back or call in and let us know how it went. That call in number again is 347 994 2981. Probably a well, never mind. Uh, here we go. Uh, this is a long one. I think I'm going to wait because I know that this mom might call in one of these days. So I'm actually going to defer on this one and move on to this one. Hi, we are working towards solving a problem our son has with hands-on behavior at school. He seems to just reach out with his hands, sometimes just too rough in play and sometimes to hit or push. He is kicked as well. You know, I think we have our theme for the day. If we're focused on behaviors, we won't solve problems. But let me keep going. I don't want to jump to any conclusions here. Ah, wait a minute. We've got some info here. Most of it, the time it is in response to some perceived or real threat or comment. Good. Getting closer. We're still not specific enough. We keep thinking we come up with a mutually agreeable solution, find help, put our hands on our chest. I'm going to have some fun with this one, and I don't mean making fun. I just mean that I'm going to make a good point here. But it seems to get lost in the moment. I bet. I am not sure how to reach a mutually satisfactory solution on this one. He did say that he gets angry or thinks someone is going to hurt him or sometimes is not sure why he did it. All right. Now, let's um, do something that I often do. We have enough information here to think about whether the solutions that we've arrived at are actually going to get the job done. So, finding help putting his hands on his chest well, putting his hands on his chest would keep him from hitting, scratching. It wouldn't address kicking. But most importantly, it wouldn't solve the unsolved problem of a perceived or real threat or comment. We don't want to solve the symptom. We want to solve the problem. That's the title of today's 
radio program. I feel certain of it. I better write it down, lest I forget. We don't want to solve the, pro- the symptom. We want to solve the problem. Hold on just a sec as I'm writing. We want to solve the problem. I turned 53 a week ago and now no longer trust my memory. I didn't trust it at 52 either, but that's why you had to wait to listen to me writing that down. Uh, Now, finding help, um, would that solve a real or perceived threat or comment? See, here's what we don't want to get into. We don't want to blow past the unsolved problems that are setting the challenging episode in motion, setting the challenging behaviors in motion, and only come up with a solution that is, a, that is what the child should do when the unsolved problem proves itself still unsolved and um, is starting to set it. We don't want solutions that are only for the heat of the moment. We want to get perceived or real threats or comments solved durably. And when we do that, we won't see him hitting or pushing in response to those unsolved problems because those unsolved problems are now solved. And solved problems don't set in motion challenging episodes. Only unsolved problems do. So we're we're actually getting some information from him. I think that there's more to be, more information to be gathered, but um, we don't want a heat-of-the-moment solution. We want a durable solution to the unsolved problems that are setting in motion his challenging episodes. And we don't want to focus, and we want to make sure that the solutions that we do come up with really solve the problems that are setting in motion the challenging episodes. And I don't think finding help or putting his hands on his chest, they might be helpful in the heat of the moment, but as our emailer is saying, um, that's not helping. It gets lost in the moment. That's right. You don't want there to be moments. You want to solve the problems that are setting in motion those moments, not just give the child strategies for handling those moments when they come up. Not that that's a terrible thing, just that it's not going to solve the problems. Thank you very much for your email. Let's see if we have time for one more here. I think we do. Uh, Dr. Green, I have a son that we are testing for Asperger's, and there are times that he gives blank looks like he has no understanding of what I want from him. And I don't know what I'm supposed to do. How do I solve those problems? Also, sometimes he will have wrong facial expressions on his face when his dad is talking to him or disciplining him, like a smile. He says he's not smiling, but he clearly is, and this upsets my husband. What do I do? He is 11 years old. Um, I, I... don't know what test there is for Asperger's, but that's not the most important point here. I am curious about his blank looks. Um, uh, this is a tough one to answer by uh, without hearing more about the blank looks. Um, sometimes blank looks suggest the need for a visit to the neurologist for an assessment of blank looks, and sometimes blank looks... Um, if they're occurring only under circumstances in which we are trying to do plan B with him or in which we're doing plan A with him. I'm smelling, uh, I'm sniffing out plan A in this email as well. Um, we, we don't, uh, 
I don't know what the blank looks are about, but I wouldn't call that the unsolved problem. Boy, this is sort of consistent with our theme all day. And sometimes he'll have a wrong facial expression. I don't know what a right facial expression is. Um, And smiles can mean lots and lots of different things. So I don't know what the smile means. I know that when kids are being disciplined, adults often interpret their smiles in rather interesting ways. Often when a kid is being disciplined um, and a kid uh, and the kid is smiling, we adults take that to mean that he must not be taking us very seriously um, or that he's finding humor in what we're doing. I often think of... Uh, that is an inaccurate interpretation of what's really going on. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, worry about the facial expression too much unless the facial expression and the blank looks are somehow associated with each other. Once again, not enough information for me to completely uh, understand uh, or, or give necessarily particularly explicit advice. But the, the, the problem, the, the uh, theme is exactly the same here, and that is that. Um, I don't know what the unsolved problems are. Asperger's disorder is not an unsolved problem. Um, A blank look is not really an unsolved problem. Smiling when he's being disciplined is not an unsolved problem. What he's being disciplined for is, uh, well, those are the unsolved problems, but I don't have any detail on that. And so just like our other caller and our emailers, Here's your homework. Download the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems from the Lives in the Balance website. It's in the paperwork section. Uh, Figure out what lagging skills might be coming into play for your son. Figure out what his highly specific unsolved problems are. And the the, uh, content from the the earlier part of the show should help you a great deal there. Decide what your high-priority unsolved problems are, and then try to do plan B. We have another agenda item, of course, and that is that, um, well, if your husband is disciplining and a smile is troubling him when he's disciplining, then once again, I smell plan A discipline here. So we have another agenda item that isn't solely related to just figuring out what the unsolved problems are and doing plan B over that, we got to get you and your uh, husband on the same page for how we want to go about trying to solve problems, problems that discipline probably isn't solving. I would do. I would. I would uh, fill out the ALSIP together. Uh, I, if I'm you, I'm putting my heads together to um, identify unsolved problems, and I'm putting my heads together to figure out which unsolved problems we want to start working on first. Um, those are all the unsolved problems we want to be working on. Um, do it together. Uh, we want to think in advance about how well it's going to work to have one person doing plan B and one person doing plan A. Um, we got to get together. we got to have a consensus. we got to get our team together. There's no different in a school or a facility, we've got to get our team organized and get the effort organized so we know what we're working on and we know who's working on what, and uh, the left hand knows what the right hand is doing. So I'm sniffing that out in this uh, email as well. Thank you for emailing.
and um, you've got your work cut out for you. We have time for one more, which is great. Uh, Dr. Green, my 10-year-old son has an emotional disability. Uh, that's probably a special ed category. This is me talking now, not the email. That's probably a special ed category. I don't, In practical terms, I don't know what an emotional disability is. He is in a special ed class, but, um, probably because they said he has an emotional disability, or maybe he needed the special ed class and they said he had an emotional disability, so he qualified. He, so far, I don't know anything about him in terms of lagging skills and unsolved problems. Back to the email. He's been acting out aggressively for the past one year and has to be restrained nearly every week at school. It is really taking a toll on him and me too. His aggressiveness seems to be worsening. Uh, it's me talking now. I'm not surprised. My aggressiveness would working would worsen if people were doing that to me nearly every week. He is taking two medicines are named, and neither seems to be helping. His doctor has had him on several medications, but all have severe side effects. I need help desperately. It's heartbreaking to see my son suffer and fail in school. I can only imagine. I believe he needs some type of brain imaging, but I have been unsuccessful in finding a resource. I don't know if he needs brain imaging. Um, what I think he needs is highly predictable. We'll get to that in a second. I am... I'm getting too predictable these days. I've got to change something up, but actually I'm not going to change anything up because we know what he needs. When he becomes overwhelmed, he kicks holes in the walls, turns over desks, bangs his head into bushes. Um, I'm running low on hope. The physical restraints administered in school leave him feeling powerless and angry, which creates more aggression. He has a very pleasant home life, and these behaviors do not present there. Well, um, thank you for your email, and I'm very sorry for the situation that you're in. Um, restraints don't fix what's getting in the way for your son. You know that already. Restraints are one of the things adults do in response to unsolved problems that are still unsolved. And because they're still unsolved, it sounds to me like your son is at a rather extreme end of the spectrum of looking bad. That doesn't necessarily mean anything, but um sounds like he's at the extreme end of the spectrum of looking bad. Um, restraint is usually an act of desperation for when a kid is getting completely out of control, but it's not going to fix the problem. And in the case of many kids, in my experience, it actually makes things worse. And it is an obsolete, inhumane response to much of anything. Guess what I don't hear in this email? I don't hear anything about lagging skills. I don't hear anything about unsolved problems. I don't hear anything about the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. I don't hear anything about the Plan B flowchart. I'm not hearing anything about Plan B. And that probably helps me understand why this poor kid is still being restrained a lot at school. And by the way, it's probably why his poor teachers are still restraining him. Restraining a kid isn't any fun either. Not, not, not having the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and Plan B flowchart and Plan B in your toolbox, that's no fun because then um, you got those old tools in your toolbox 
And those old tools are not going to get the job done. Meanwhile, we have a kid who is um, getting a lot of restraint and seclusion. Um, Somehow, we need to find a way to introduce the school to um, collaborative problem solving because it doesn't sound like they know anything about it yet. If they do, they're not doing it. Uh, If they are doing it, they need help doing it because they're still using a lot of restraints. Places that are using a lot of restraints prove that restraints are not working. Otherwise, they wouldn't be using a lot of them. So now comes the big question, and it sounds like he's been on meds, but, um, well, even if the meds were working, the things that are being done to him and the fact that unsolved problems are not being solved are blowing through the meds, even if they're working. I say, I, this is me hypothesizing here. I can only surmise here because I don't know the situation intimately here. How do we introduce collaborative problem solving to the folks at school? Well, um, here's my strategy for this mom. Uh, I think mom. Actually, I can't tell it's a mom. It could be a dad. So this mom or dad. Um, well, there's Lost at School, my book for educators. There's the Lives in the Balance website. Those are great resources, but how we get people to access them is the magic. I think once they access them, the the model will do its work um, if they're open-minded. How do we help them access it? My usual advice is to uh, think about the person in the school who is most likely to be receptive to collaborative problem-solving or, at the very least, most able to give you the lay of the land for who to talk to in the building about what's going on. And, of course, if he's in a special ed classroom, then there's a special educator, then special education is involved as well. And there may be resources there too. So I'm sniffing out who uh, is available to help me know how to help introduce people to this model uh, so that we can start identifying lagging skills and unsolved problems and we can start solving problems and my son can start learning the skills he's lacking and people can stop sitting on him. Um, People who sit on kids sometimes think that it works. You've heard of a therapeutic hold. It's an oxymoron. Some people who sit on kids are simply sitting on kids because they're not exactly sure what to do. Either way, we need to introduce collaborative problem solving into this program or into this building so that your son is being seen through the lenses of lagging skills so that we have unsolved problems being identified. That's the ALSIP. So that we have the Plan B flowchart being filled out so that we know exactly what we're working on and who's working on it and so that we can get to work. Solving problems, teaching skills, not sitting on children. Do you think I have strong opinions about that? We are uh, basically out of time for today. Um, I want to thank our caller. I want to thank the people who email. I get to, as you can tell, as many as I can in each program. Um, callers always take priority, so um, 
always feel free to call in. But in the meantime, we sure do cover a lot of ground in this program, don't we? And yet, we had some very similar themes today. We don't want to solve the symptom. We want to solve the problem. Thanks for joining in. Hope you have found this to be helpful today. And I look forward to talking with you more about collaborative problem solving next week. In the meantime, to our callers, to our caller and our teller, you got your homework, you got your work cut out for you, for you. Can't wait to hear back from you.